What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Pro GK Podcast, the quarantine series. In today's episode, we have another special guest for you guys. We have Andrew Sparks, who was the first team goalkeeper coach for Southampton of the English Premier League. Andrew will tell you guys all about his journey as a coach, what each stop has taught him, and what coaching these goalkeepers is like at the Premier League level and everything that he's learned throughout his coaching experiences. Again, guys, if you guys haven't already reviewed the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps me out a lot. It gets these podcasts out to more people. So please, if you haven't done that, do that. Again, guys, my name is Omar Zini. Hopefully, you guys are at home, staying safe, self-quarantining, and hopefully, we'll all be back on the field sometime soon. Again, guys, enjoy the episode. Take care. Andrew, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, you know, just trying to... Uh, Stay busy that I can't be on the field, so that's the tough part. But you know how it is. Sometimes you gotta stay stay sharp some other ways. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. How are you, have you been dealing with all this, and what uh, what are the what are the guys up to? Yeah, the the same thing. Uh, really, just trying to uh, find new things to do. Today. Um, not a lot of routine at the moment, which uh, I guess we we're all used to. But uh, yeah, strange times. But obviously, we need to make the most of it. So um, yeah, yeah well, how- it's it's one of those. Just got to keep going. Sure. And how are you staying connected with the guys? Are you guys like, how are you like, do you have a program for them or is it the strength and conditioning coaches and they're kind of putting them through the paces? Yeah. So the, the first week I just let them go with the, the strength and conditioning coaches with the, with their individual gym programs. Uh, so they've been getting on with them. So I've been in contact with the guys most days, to be honest with, uh, you know, WhatsApp or something. And I give them a call over the weekend, see how they're doing. And we've actually just ordered them some ball machines each. So oh, wow. uh, they're going to be doing some, um, yeah, some technical work from tomorrow. They they get delivered tomorrow. So uh, that was quite a big thing for me to get pushed through from. Yeah, I feel like that's a very EPL thing to do. I don't know if the MLS coaches will have one of those uh, systems here, but uh, those are the perks you get when you're at the top of the game. And uh, But I don't want to waste... <laughs> for us, it's just important to, uh, to keep their mind going, really, and... Um, Obviously, I can't be there to serve them, and you know their uh, partners and wives aren't, uh, you know, probably <laughs> the, the best servers. At least they can uh, they can put it in the ball machine, and it'll, uh, yeah, fire it out for them. So uh, yeah, they're looking forward to getting them tomorrow. Love it, love it. Well, I don't want to waste too much time because I know uh, this thing cuts off in an hour, and I want to get to as much as I can with you because I know you have a lot to. Uh, not to share, you've had an incredible coaching career so far. You're still rather young, and just want to know from your perspective how, wh- where has the game taken you, and, and how have you kind of taken all the lessons in stride? Yeah, maybe longer than an hour, but I'll try <laughs> and keep it down. Um, yeah, so so I started off as as a young young coach at Swansea City. Was started obviously playing in goal. Didn't make it to to the first team. Played semi professional in Wales. But nothing to uh, a level where I guess would have made me into a professional goalkeeper. Uh, so I went quite early on in, in Swans Academy when I was uh, 19, started my coaching badges, started taking the younger goalkeepers with me in the academy. And then uh, it was probably a year and a half, two years later, where I got the opportunity to, to go to New York and uh, head up the, the regional development school, um, which I did for probably three to four years. And it was probably there where I started to develop you know, a program and, and goalkeepers who then went into the Red Bull Academy. And uh, at the time, the Red Bulls Academy was, you know, probably one of the early pace setters in the MLS who offered um, a free year-round program, which at the time was, was was unheard of. So, you know, trying to 
get my name about in, in New York was just about developing goalkeepers for the academy. And then basically a bit of good fortune. The first, sorry, the academy goalkeeper coach at uh, Red Bull went to Columbus Crew first team. Um, and then there was no goalkeeper coach in the academy. So I was doing the development schools and then went straight to the academy, volunteered for probably six months. And then, yeah, obviously did, did a good enough job there where they offered me full time. So spent another two years in the academy in New York and then got, got my move to Red Bull Salzburg in Europe, which at the time was, was a, a big move and, you know, kind of a big deal for, you know, for, for me and my career. Uh, spent a year Red Bull Salzburg, then came back to New York for a year, Swansea City for six years, and then wow. the opportunity to go to South Africa, which was a big move, a big, probably a big risk as well, where, you know, I was leaving Swansea City after six years, but wanted a first team opportunity. So went to South Africa, had a unbelievable year experiences. And then obviously uh, in the summer got my, got my big move to, to the Premier League. So um, yeah, it's been quite a journey, but uh, yeah, loads of different experiences, loads of keepers, coach, loads of coaching hours. So yeah, that's, that's basically it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's a, your story is, is, I mean, for us younger coaches who, we've, who we study and we, we like to look at, and I think your, your journey has been one of sacrifice, I feel, uh, one that you've kind of, you've obviously had to prove yourself everywhere you've gone, but opportunities present themselves because you've taken the uncomfortable route. You've put yourself in, posi- you put yourself in a position to move to Austria, move to South Africa, move to different places where, you know, it's just uh, a lot of people would choose the comfort over the not the struggle but the opportunity so how do you feel like those opportunities when they came up is it obviously one it's the skill that you have as a coach but also be willing to uh, go to different places and, and you know apply your craft somewhere else and then hopefully those opportunities lead to something else because the what your pathway may not be the most ideal but how do you feel you you kind of kept your sanity throughout it all yeah I think I think you know reflecting on on the journeys um yeah, lots of sacrifice, obviously, leaving home at um, an early age, moving away from the family. And then, obviously, when I moved from New York to Salzburg, obviously, I had to, to move into a German-speaking uh, country. Uh, and obviously, coming from the UK via America as a young coach in a, you know, one of the top academies in Europe was, you know, there's always going to be question marks about what you do. But, you know, fortunate, I had a, a very good... Well, yeah, it was my boss and my mentor, Hans Leitert, in, in Salzburg, who was a, the head of global goalkeeping for, for Red Bull. So he gave me a really good you know, education for the year, really good platform to learn more about the position. I was only, I think, 25 at the time. So learn more about the, the ins and outs and the, the craft of you know, high-level goalkeeper development. And you know, he was the one who probably set me on, on my way of thinking that I can go to a top, top level. And it was through his, um, you know, insight and knowledge, working next to him day in, day out in Salzburg, give me, you know, a massive opportunity to then push myself going forward. And I think it was the, the move back to Swansea when it was, you know, I came in as head of academy goalkeeping and ultimately it was my program to run where under hands at Red Bull, it was his direction and, and his programs that he put together. But then I saw Swansea as a big move for me because, one, it was my hometown team. Two, it was a chance for me to really implement what I had learned over the years and put it into my own program and run my own program. So, you know, that was 
that was a really good learning curve for me. Obviously, going back to Swansea and then the the move to South Africa was one where I wanted a first team opportunity. Didn't really get the opportunity in the UK at the time, and then thought, you know what, I need to to go and experience it. I also saw it as a life experience because knowing what I know now, even a year on, it's not just about coaching. It's about those experiences and the relationships that you build with players, staff, you know, different, even outfield players. And for me, I could only get that in a first team environment. So coming into Southampton, you know, I, I felt that I've traveled a lot of miles, seen a lot mm. of things, had lots of different experiences. And uh, yeah, it, it takes a little bit of risk. You know, I think if you want to get somewhere, you know, you, you, you have to take risks and, you know, hopefully hopefully the time and an opportunity align as well. Absolutely. Yeah, well, very, very well said. And and one of the questions I had for you going back to your, your Swansea Academy days and now, you know, you step in and now you have your own set of uh, methodologies and philosophies of how you want to approach it. And, and obviously the head of Academy, that's your responsibility to oversee the Academy system and, and, and kind of make sure that what your vision for it is applied. And hopefully over a few years or however long it takes, that vision is, is seen and uh, comes to fruition. So one thing I want to ask you and one thing that was brought up in my conversation with Tim Dittmer was uh, he mentioned a quote from Peter Schmeichel and the quote was, don't worry about locking in technique until after the goalkeeper's growth. And, you know, everybody everybody grows at different rates. And uh, for you in the Swansea Academy, I kind of wanted to see how that quote landed with you. And younger goalkeepers, what are your priorities with them if it's not technique? What is your priority with those goalkeepers 14 and under? First and foremost, I keep saying that, you know, for, for academy and young goalkeepers, it, it is about having fun. Um, and it's about for, for them learning the fun side of goalkeeping. You know, when I was growing up, it was about throwing yourself around, making saves, getting muddy getting in the car full of mud on the way home, you know, trying to find find your own little ways and techniques of dealing with things. Um, and I think over the years, with more resources available, there's there's been, you know, a heavy, heavily focused, especially in academies, on, on technical attributes. And probably upon reflection now, you know, my early days at Swansea with the younger ones was probably more technical-based. But going and reflecting on what I know now, you know, I, I think more so exposing the goalkeepers to situations where they have to yeah obviously use technical actions but also tactical and again it's probably my journey as a coach where I've evolved and seen different things over the year where you know probably younger in my days it was all about technical more so now is exposing and creating situations for goalkeepers to learn and to use those technical actions but in tactical settings which aren't labeled tactical for the young ones, but they're you're putting the, them in situations where yeah they're going to have to get new positions. They're going to have to decide if they're going to close an attacker, stay, and just really put them in situations where it's their decisions based on their their personalities or their physical attributes, and where you can then develop the other things around them. For sure, and I think again one thing that I, I I'm always curious about because I've been in, at college level here in the states, and you know I had a goalkeeper who I wanted to try and mold. He's probably like 20 years old, and I wanted to try and mold him a little bit differently from the like Hispanic way to more the I guess the American and European way, and I wanted him to just have better technique with his saves. And you have been, let's say, I mean South Africa, Austria the United States. So you've been to multiple places. And for those goalkeepers that you've dealt with that have different habits and those different techniques than, you know, that apply from your own philosophy, have you tried to optimize their own technique and then take it in stride? Or have you tried to implement new things to their their game? And ha how has that kind of fallen with those goalkeepers? 
So South Africa was probably the the big one for me where I was stepping into a first team environment uh, into a different country where they're not exposed to the high level of coaching in terms of uh, from a national association or goalkeeper academies or within their clubs. You know, I think South Africa is still developing it on that side of the game. So a lot of the goalkeeping in South Africa and if you have a look in terms of Africa in general, they're not molded or coached in a certain way. You know, I think the the goalkeepers when I went into Orlando Pirates they had, had a Serbian goalkeeper coach, a Brazilian one, South African one, one from Zambia. So over the years they've had so many they've been exposed to so many different coaches which yeah, it wasn't very much a technical based approach. There was there's coaches who were coming from all over the world with different ideas of how goalkeepers should be developed. And the goalkeepers in South Africa, some of them hadn't come through academy, so they're very raw in their technical approach. Some had been through academies who yeah, were more what you'd see in Europe, but then you put them all together and there was it, it just looked completely different throughout the league, throughout the goalkeepers that I had. So it was trying to identify what I thought would help them develop short, medium and long term. Obviously, I didn't get to see the, the long term benefits of them, but short term, it was, you know, picking one or two maybe technical actions that I, th I think I could have improved in them. More so, I guess, with Orlando Pirates was the distribution. They were very much a possession based team where the goalkeepers, we were quite a lot on, you know, building out from the back. And that was a, a really big part of how the team wanted to, to play. So a lot of my work was based on refining technical actions with their feet and then obviously adopting a, a tactical approach then in with the team to to make sure that's, you know, what the, the team needed. You know, the, there's things that the goalkeepers in South Africa would do where I could never teach because it was just a raw a raw thing that they had done and it and it was it was fascinating to watch and at times it was yeah, it was spectacular and effective. And, yeah. th and that's probably another learning thing where they just made saves where, you know, you'd not expect them to make. And, you know, they're just effective because that's how they've grown up on the streets of Africa with not the best facilities. But they, <laughs> yeah. they found a way, made a way, and uh, that's how it, it came off in their game. So, um, yeah, totally different to probably what you'd see in more of an English academy where a lot of the goalkeepers are coming through looking like the same. Africa from your team to the opposition team look completely different. Interesting. Okay. I, uh, I, I, want, I can keep going about this stuff, but uh, I want to get to some of these questions. And uh, one is from Phil Wedden, who we both know really, really well. And he says, Andrew, your success is well-deserved. What are the top three things that you need to, uh, to be a top-level goalkeeper coach, in your opinion? Thanks for the kind words, Phil. Um, top three things. I'll always say organized. I'd like to think I'm quite organized with you know, from, from my daily schedule to the sessions, to meetings, to those kinds of things. Communication's a big thing for me. So, you know, the last week or 10 days, even communicating with the goalkeepers, just checking in how they're doing. On, then obviously when we see them on the pitch, it's the communication in terms of coaching points off the pitch. And obviously uh, the big thing for me in terms of communication is not just with the goalkeepers, but it's with the, with the rest of the staff, multidisciplinary staff, making sure that, Everything for the goalkeepers is is pretty much watertight in terms of what we're trying to achieve. So that, you know, that can be the conditioning coach, the physios, to make sure that the goalkeepers get exactly what they need. So, you know, I'd like to think that I communicate well with the other staff members within the club. And then the third thing, I think adaptable. 
I think, as I said, there's a few examples, even from Africa, where, you know, you put in situations where you're dealing with different types of goalkeepers, different personalities, different cultures. So probably adaptability is a bit been, you know, a big thing through my career and being exposed to different situations and, yeah, adapting to those situations. For sure. And I think for you, you know, you've been able to adapt from different uh, age groups to different levels to now, obviously, the I guess the pinnacle of, of football in the world. And so one of the questions I have here is as you went from age group to age group, from the 16 to 18 year old age group and the like development academy age groups, what did you feel they need to, to work on to jump to that next level? That's a question from my buddy Jason. And he just wants to know from 16 to 18 year old goalkeepers who are in development academy programs, what do they need in terms of the little key components to take them to that next level? So is, is that in reference to development academy in the States? Yes, let's go with the States because I'm, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question about your time in Austria. So let's go with the States first and then afterwards I think that should feed straight into my question. My, my biggest thing with the 16- to 18-year-olds, so when I was at uh, the Red Bulls, I was you know, really fortunate to work with some you know, top, top youth internationals. So I had four goalkeepers who were in the residency program. But the, probably the one thing that through no fault of their own that they lacked was the tactical component. And that was from the games because the, the Red Bulls were so competitive that they were beating teams 6, 7, 8, 9, nil at times. Um, so tactically, the goalkeepers within the games program didn't get exposed to high-level tactical decisions. So a lot of my work was based around in training, trying to combine the 16s and the 18s where they have maybe four or five goalkeepers and build tactical situations within the training because I know that they get limited training, uh, sorry, limited actions tactically on a weekend, if that makes sense. And, you know, I didn't get to see a great deal of other people coaching in the States because obviously that's, you know, you're working every night and they're working every night. But I think this at the same time, you know, I still see little bits online and things, which I think is still very technical based and doesn't really expose the goalkeepers to tactical situations and scenarios that they're going to facing on the weekend. So, you know, my biggest thing is trying to shift away from that technical-based approach, especially in academies where, you know, it could be one or two years that they're playing in the MLS. But if it's if all the work is still technical-based, they're never going to survive and thrive in a, you know, in the MLS or a professional setting. Absolutely. And, and, one question that I had for you was that, you know, the system that we have here in the States, let's say when you were with the Red Bull Academy, you're overseeing multiple, multiple age groups. I think even with Swansea, you're overseeing multiple age groups as well. And when you went to Austria, I remember it says that you were just a U18 goalkeeper coach, correct? Yeah. So how do you feel? Are we doing it wrong here in the States when we're grouping multiple age groups together and asking the coaches to monitor each, each age group's development versus how you were in Austria where you only had to focus on one group and that age group and then you're able to apply the tactical and technical aspects that are needed for that age group and the style of play that they're, they're facing week in and week out. Would you prefer that we adopted the Austrian way where it's one age group or is the States one still able to see development? I think that comes down to probably where the, the club is in terms of their, their development. If you think about clubs and goalkeeper coaches, the, the director of coaching will say, we have one goalkeeper coach and you're having 30 goalkeepers. You know, it's it's more of a luxury when you have more goalkeeper coaches. Um, not saying that's always the best way because I think the more goalkeeper coaches you have, if you're not careful, you can dilute what you're doing and the the messages across the board can get mixed. But if, you ha if you're well aligned and have a really good DNA curriculum, whatever you want to call it, 
then you know I would always go for the the more goalkeeper coaches and less goalkeepers. But at the at the same time, a lot of it comes down to budget, and it's not easy to to try and justify having a goalkeeper coach for every age group. At Red Bull, we are lucky enough to have a goalkeeper coach per age group, and I know a lot of the clubs, obviously in the UK, are you know either an age group or maybe two age groups. So yeah, it's it's very much based on situation of the club or, or the program that you're working with. But it's it's if you do have a lot of goalkeepers, you have to make sure that they're individually developed, just as they're having one or one or two goalkeepers for for one coach, as five or six would to to that coach as well. Absolutely. And so now, every time you stepped into a new environment, uh, Andrew, I kind of wanted to ask you about that. And you know, I actually have a quote here from one of your goalkeepers when you left South Africa, and it says, "Farewell to Andrew Sparks. Thank you for your hard work, honesty, love, and dedication to the Orlando Pirates family." And you know, I think that's a goal for a lot of us coaches: is that wherever we go, we want to leave a legacy, or we want to leave something of importance that the goalkeepers that we had, the unit that we had, they felt like you gave them their all. So, for for me, to you. How have you gone about in every location you've been to stepping in and then from day one trying to set the tone and create that goalkeeping culture? Yeah, it's very difficult. Uh, you know, I keep referring to South Africa because a little bit of that for me was the unknown. You know, dealing with players with different backgrounds, different education, you know, that was definitely the toughest one for me. The country has a difficult past in, in terms of their culture and some of the things that have gone on. Um, so going there as a foreigner was challenging as well but the most important thing I think I said it to to Phil the other day was when I went to Southampton one of the first thing I did with all the goalkeepers was sit down for an hour off the pitch just to to know a little bit about them so are you an only child do you have brothers sisters where are you from what do your parents do what's your your kids names what's your wife's names so you know those things to to try and build relationships very early on so a lot of it goes away from the football so it's it's getting to know them what makes them tick you know, one of the questions, what, what what do you like in your goalkeeper training session? So some of them were like, well, I've never been asked that before. So one of them, for instance, said, I just love diving around making saves. Another one, I like to have 20 volleys a day before a game. So it's just trying to find out the little ins and outs of what makes every goalkeeper tick and, you know, how I can help them on their development. So that was another question. What can I do to, to help your development? And, you know, again, you, you're referring to Premier League goalkeepers. So, you know, get some thinking about how I can actually help them because it's not about me telling them, right, we're going to do this, that and the other. It's about me helping them achieve their goals. And they need to have that buy-in to say, yeah, this is what I want to do or this is what I like to do. And then, you know, it's up to me then to, you know, really create a good environment for them to be able to do that. So... One of the big things is just the communication with the goalkeepers and making sure that they know I'm there for them as well. You know, this this week's kind of proved it where I said, how's the gym programs going? Yeah, we missed the ball. So I said, all right, we'll, we'll get you a ball machine each. So, you know, they, they know that I'm always fighting their corners as well. Yeah, I think that's that's huge too, the communication aspect. And that's kind of been the very similar question that a lot of coaches have given me is this that open communication and not just coming in there and thinking that you're going to, force the goalkeepers into doing what you think is right for them versus coupling what you know and they know together and trying to you know get the best system for them so they can come in every day and, and feel energized about the, the situation about the sessions and Andrew one question I want to ask you is I get a lot of questions from young goalkeeper coaches here in the states and they're always asking me hey like how do I prove to my goalkeepers and to other coaches that my philosophy works and that I can try and validate who I am as a coach so my question to you is you know what was that process like for you 
over the years? I know you talked about open communication, but when you're stepping into those new environments and trying to guess gain that trust with those goalkeepers, how did you go about it? Is there something you can you've reflected on that maybe worked? I think it's patience. I think you know whatever you try to create, it's not gonna gonna happen overnight. You know, obviously, I was fortunate at Red Bull where I had six years, Swansea where I had six years, so I could build a little bit more. Um, but then, if you look at you know South Africa, I was only there for a year last year. So the the patience not to to think too far ahead, live in the moment, and and deal with what what's in front of you. Because I think if you start thinking long term, you know, I could have easily last year thought right. I'm going to be here for five years. I'm not going to implement these things right away. But then I never made year two, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. But at the same time, it's, you know, trusting what you've, what experience that you've gained over the years and really trying to put a process in right from the start. And, you know, I, I hope that, you know, even last year in South Africa, I've, I've put some foundations in for the next goalkeeper coach to, to take over, maybe put the goalkeepers in a, in a better place than when I first took over. And, you know, that's, I think, for, for me, is how you build things of, you know, at, at Red Bull, goalkeepers were continuing to come through well after I left. So, you know, that's how I see it is sometimes it's not the work that you do right then and there. It's the work that goes on afterwards and, and basically building up from the foundations that you put on. Absolutely. So a uh, quick question again, and, and one that I've I've always wondered now, now that you're at the uh, Premier League level, what are the let's say, key components that separate the number one from the number two. When I watch the technique and I watch things, sometimes it's so difficult to understand what are the main differences. And then when you see them playing the game, you can obviously only see one. So what what has been something that you've seen and noticed from the starting goalkeeper to second goalkeepers that maybe younger goalkeepers could really hone in on? Uh, at the Premier League level? Let's go, let's go with the Premier League level. And I think, I mean, maybe if you, if you cover the Premier League level, it could kind of like come down to maybe the academy level as well. But let's go with the Premier League level. And I think those answers should help younger goalkeepers maybe see what your what your thought process is with it. Honestly, not a right, lot. Man. The, 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 you know, the Premier League is, is so competitive. If, if you look, you know, even our, our goalkeepers and you know, Chelsea or, or Arsenal or the, or the other teams, you know, the, the drop-off between one and two, you know, sometimes there isn't a drop-off. You know, a lot of it comes down to the opportunities and have they taken their chance or, you know, just could be the timing that one goalkeeper's got injured, the other one comes in and obviously performs and takes their opportunity. But honestly, uh, at the Premier League, there's you might think one goalkeeper's technically better, one's tactically better, but I think at the end of the day, it's it's about the goalkeeper who goes in and, and help the team perform and win at that point in time. You know, I, th- I don't think there's, you can say just because he's technically or tactically better, he should be starting. It's it's about who's who's the right goalkeeper to to help the team win, and um, you hope that through the training they they keep developing. You know, number one and number two, but obviously as soon as they they go on the on the pitch, it's, it's their decisions and and their their actions that that will either ultimately keep them in the team or not. Absolutely, and then when it comes to that winner's mentality, I was talking to Paul Rogers about it, and I asked him about. How do you you know try and recreate or go about recreating authentic pressure and stressful situations in your sessions so that the goalkeepers can come on weekends and understand? Okay, I've already seen this before. It says nothing's going to shake me. I know how to how to respond and how to approach this. So, uh, with those goalkeepers again, how have you been able to set that like authentic stress in training sessions? Is it through games and how? I mean, how do you go about doing that? So when the goalkeepers are with you know myself and and the rest of the goalkeeping group, you know we try to make things as realistic as, as possible. So when we're talking about service or distances or situations that we can create in the in the goalkeeping group, 
you know, I, I work very hard on trying to replicate some of the the issues or problems or scenarios that they might face in the game. But for me, the, the biggest way to translate is that to, to get outfield players, to be in with the team. So I work very closely with our coaching staff and with the manager to, to try and replicate certain uh, situations. So, for instance, we work on the, dealing with cutbacks within the goalkeeper group knowing that when they join in with the team that we'll be doing maybe a phase of play or, or something that will replicate those situations with live defenders, live attackers. So that goes down to the communication to find out, obviously, what the team are doing, what the plans for the for the goalkeepers are when they go in with the team. And then, you know, talking to the coaching staff, you know, I might show them a, a few clips of the opposition and say, look, this is how they enter the box. This is the runs they make. Can you do this with the strikers and the defenders for you know, 10, 15 minutes towards the end of the session. So it benefits, you know, the defenders, the attackers and the goalkeepers working together. So that's how we build those types of practices together where I'll do it within my goalkeeper session and maybe coach a little bit more. But then you you have to subject them then to, to go in with the team in live situations with the quality of Premier League players rather than, you know, myself. Absolutely. I mean, I think it comes with the nature of being in the Premier League, but for younger goalkeepers in your academy system, how have you been able to kind of establish that winning mentality for those goalkeepers and kind of uh, allow them to have those, not allow them to, but put them in situations where they're being forced to develop those intangibles? It's just being honest with them to, um, you know, I think a lot of the time that they think, especially academy keepers, they go from the under 10s to 11s to 12s to 15s to 18s. But the the goalkeepers that, you know, I've had in with the first team, you know, we've had the some of the under 16s, 17s, 18s and the 23s. And it's to treat them the same as I would with the first team. So the same pressures, the same expectations in a way that they're up with the first team. For instance, they're in shooting session and Danny Ings beats them. Don't, don't expect them to say, oh, well, Danny Ings is shooting. It's no, it's... You know, you're in the goal. You're maybe taking some reps away from Angus or Alex McCarthy. They're not looking at you as the academy goalkeeper. They're looking at you as a goalkeeper within the first team session. So, you know, you try and bring them in to get some experience, build some resilience and, you know, try to expose them to the situations that they want to be in, obviously further down the line to make them find out exactly what it's all about. Got you. So it just happens naturally, correct? You expose them to the situation, then eventually your expectation for them obviously is realistic, but also not because you're getting them ready to that next level. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes if they come into a session and get exposed a little bit, you know, I think it, it makes them realize how difficult it actually is to go and make it as a professional goalkeeper. As I said, sometimes I think they go through the age groups thinking, well, I'll just move up to the under 16s or the 18s next year the jumps, the higher you go up is even bigger. And, you know, for instance, from the 23s to the first team is is a huge jump and, and not many goalkeepers make it. So, you know, in terms of Southampton, we need to make sure that the goalkeepers under 23 realize how big that jump is and prepare them as and support them as best as possible. Absolutely. And I have a question here from one of my older goalkeepers, Braden, and he says, Fraser Forcer is a keeper to I try to emulate because this guy is six foot seven. He's a big, he's a big, big guy. And he says, uh, what does he do well with his size? So Fraser's been on loan at Celtic for for this season and, and done Amazing. You know, a really terrific <laughs> job. Um, so yeah, with Fraser, he's he's probably the biggest goalkeeper that I've worked with. Totally different in terms of his stature and his qualities than what I worked on before. You know, with Fraser, he's you know you've seen probably a lot of the the media coverage on him. They just call him the wall. But, you know, with Fraser, he, he defends the goal really well. You know, he's in real good positions and, and his balance and, and, you know, comes up with those really big saves. So 
his mentality is really strong in terms of nothing's getting past him. And, you know, I think it was a Scottish Cup final where nothing did get past him and, uh, you know, won them the game. And he's had some, you know, terrific performances in the in, in the Europa League as well. So, you know, his mentality is that ball's not going in and, you know, away from it, he's just a really, really good guy. With his size, though, Andrew, when it comes to, I think a question that I get asked a lot is my optimal set shape. And a lot of kids want to know, do I go narrow? Do I go wide? How do I how do I know? Is it the closer they get to the goal? Do I sit a little bit deeper and go a little wider? So do you feel like the bigger you get, maybe that wider stance is more natural? Well, with with all the goalkeepers, if, if I, you know, have a quick think about it, they all have a, a, a set position that is not dictated by me. Mm or by the last goalkeeper coach. They found a way that's comfortable for them, which they feel that they can perform in, you know, various situations and, you know, their their set position does adapt depending on different uh, distances and angles of the ball. And it's something that I think they've developed over their time, you know, Fraser's in his 30, Alex's in his 30s, Angus is, you know, younger, but still very experienced in his set position. So, when you get to, I guess, the senior level, it's very difficult to change set positions or, you know, have a real impact on that because they've been doing it for maybe 10, 15 years. So it's trying to make them, you know, as best as possible in those shapes. And yet there might be one or two situations where you talk about maybe when you're closing the ball, get a little bit lower. But in general, it's it's going to be very difficult to change those those traits that they've had for so many years. A lot of it is just about talking to them about how does it feel in that shape? Why didn't you think about this without saying, right, you're going to do this? Because as I said, they've they've been doing it. They have a lot of experience in, in these situations and using those techniques. And, you know, all of them in their own right outright have been very successful doing it. Absolutely. And I think one question that I've always wanted to ask uh, a coach in, in your position is, do you enjoy coaching at this at the Premier League level more? Or do you enjoy being with those younger goalkeepers who you can probably put a little bit more emphasis on technique and kind of fine tune them and mold them a little bit more? Yeah, it's different. It's, it's two different ends of the spectrum, two different different ways that you you know I'd approach it and, and have approached it. I guess, yeah, you know, coming into Southampton, you know, I did a lot of analysing of the goalkeepers before I even met them, and even those things that you you think that you pick up with them, it could just be a physical thing that they can't do a specific movement because of. A previous injury mm. but on on the outside of it you think well he should be able to do that but actually he can't because there's limited mobility in his shoulder or limited mobility in his in his joints at some point so it's very fascinating that the top end of the spectrum where there's things that you, you can have very little effect on where you go back down to the academy and yeah you've you've got a real blank canvas of how you develop them how you educate them to be in a goalkeeper that you or the club think that they they, they look like that makes sense yeah so for those younger goalkeepers you're talking about uh one of the questions here is noah lawrence he says would you recommend younger goalkeepers to take that usl and mls route or try their luck in the european path i think th- this was always a funny thing when i was in america everyone talks about europe <clears throat> and being the big aim i want to go and play in europe and i always used to say oh my brother plays in europe and you say that and everyone says oh right wow really I'm like, yeah, he plays in a a local pub team in Swansea. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, yeah, well, he plays in Europe. So, you know, I've seen a lot of American goalkeepers come to Europe, as as you say, and end up playing in non-league football. But then they go back, yeah, you know, mainly for the parents. My son's playing in England, but actually he's playing non-league, maybe training once or twice a week, which is fine if that's his level. But, you know, for me, I think the... 
the MLS is getting better year on year. You know, the goalkeepers, the, the coaching, the league itself is getting better. And you see it now where the MLS is on live on TV in the UK and in Europe. So for me, it's try and be good in your own league. And if you're good enough, you'll end up over here. There's no tr point trying to force things to try and get into Europe because, you know, you might not be good enough and, and fail to get back into the MLS. I've seen that happen so many times where younger goalkeepers from the States have come over haven't made it, tried to make it back in the States, but the, the game's moved on even so much over there. So it's an interesting one. Everyone's got this fascination of Europe. Yes, it's they have the, the best leagues in the world, but I, I think at the same time, it's trying to master your own league and, and you know be confident with your abilities in the MLS. And if you're good enough, we'll find you and bring you over. It's as simple as that. 100%. That's echoing exactly what Phil said when I asked him that. I asked him, you know, what are the little key components that you're looking for, for American from American goalkeepers to send them to Europe? And he's like, we're not doing that anymore. We're, we're kind of trying to avoid that. Well, we're trying to keep them here. And if they're good enough, people will start asking questions. It's gonna, it's, It'll happen naturally. People are always scouting. People are always doing that stuff. So uh, for you guys, how is that scouting like? What are those little things that you're looking for from those goalkeepers that kind of sets them apart? I always say presence. And presence can come, it can be defined in so many different ways. You know, one, one of the things I look for is the goalkeeper, obviously on the ball and off the ball, where, yeah, making those big saves, those big claim for crosses, um, could be intercepting the ball on, on the edge of the box, you know, defending the space, or even the stuff, you know, totally away from the ball. So how they communicate with their, their defenders, how they carry themselves, how they're, they're looking to always close spaces and gaps, you know, with the defensive line, constantly communicating, adjusting positions, and really imposing themselves on the game without actually being involved in the game, if that makes yeah. sense. And then the other thing is, you know, just, just being a winner, and making those real big plays, you know, at big times. The rest of the time, just being, you know, calm and clean with their decisions, not making rash decisions, but just being, you know, very calm, composed with whatever action they have to do. That's a great answer. Yeah, I think that's a kind of gets very muddied up a little bit when we ask those kind of questions because a lot of young kids think there's like a special sauce, right? They think that there's like something that they, ha they th once they hear that uh, tip or they hear something, they go, okay, that's it. That's what I'm going to do and that's gonna, what I'm going to focus on. So it's more just a full encompassing, right? You have to do, it's a lot of little things that us goalkeepers have to be good at. And one of those things is decision-making. So for you in those sessions with decision-making, and trying to recreate and simulate those game environments. What's your thoughts around session design slash structure? Start small and build up to a theme or get straight into more complex environments? Or is there a place for both? Yeah, definitely a place for both. A lot of it in, in my instance right now is is about managing the time. So, you know, the, the manager might say, we need the goalkeepers within one hour. We might need them in 15 minutes. They, need, they might need to be integrated into passing and possession. So... Each day, even though I have my own structure, needs to be flexible and adaptable as well to meet the needs of the team. As I said, they might need one goalkeeper to do some build-up play. They might need two to do 11v11, and then I'm stuck with the number three and four to do individual work. And I, th I think a lot of it comes down to how long you have, how many goalkeepers, and, and what are the focuses of the, of the session as well? What part of the week are you working in? So, for instance, the start of the week, we work a little bit more technical-based. Towards the end of the week, we work a little bit more tactical, um, building up for the opposition. So, in academy, it's going to be different because the games are obviously a big part of their development, but it's not the only part where you can structure your week very differently to what it would look like in a first team because, obviously, the, the first team, the game is the most important part of, 
of the week when in development you might be working with a goalkeeper on a specific technique or action where you know that might be your focus and the the game is just uh, topping them up with the, those decisions of, of how you can do it so it varies from situation to situation but I think uh, having a good mix of it keeps the goalkeepers fresh and not really expecting the same thing every single time which builds in or goes back to my previous point about having fun so they're not coming to every session going right we're going to be doing this then this then this sometimes start with a game and they're thinking well this is different and again mm -hmm. it's probably pushing themselves outside of the comfort zone going well you know we never start with a game well today you start with a game and you know try to to give them different stimulus within within the sessions by just doing something different one of the things you said earlier about being a good goalkeeper coach and younger goalkeeper coaches that are coming up is being adaptable so has there ever been a point where you've do you usually start the sessions or when you go through the process of drawing them up do you collaborate with the goalkeepers and say hey what do you need or do you put together something and then they come in and say hey can we try something a little bit different and how do you kind of gear the sessions towards the number one two and three so we, we've had those conversations with the goalkeepers. You know, I've, I, it goes on from the conversation I had earlier where I find out what makes them tick and, you know, what, what types of sessions do you like? And probably the biggest question I ask the goalkeepers individually of what do you need to perform on a Saturday? And it's, you know, their answers, you know, obviously differ from goalkeeper to goalkeeper. So it's not for me to say, right, that's what they're going to do. But it gives me an idea of where they feel they need to be to perform at the highest level. And then it's up for me to build around then uh, the session structure and design throughout the week to to enable them to perform on the weekend. Uh, we had a game this year. We played Premier League. We played Crystal Palace on a Tuesday and we were playing Tottenham on the Saturday. So Alex McCarthy played on a Tuesday night. And straight after the game on the Wednesday, I said to Angus Gunn, what, what does the rest of your week look like? And he said, what do you mean? I said, what, what do you need? from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to perform on Saturday. So it wasn't a normal week. Um, we weren't going to have Alex train the next day because he, he'd played. So we we're you know, a little bit short on goalkeepers. We had a little bit limited time. So that's why I needed Angus to let me know exactly where he was in his headspace to go, you know, this is what I want. So, you know, he came back. Well, actually, wouldn't mind some crosses and some this and that. So I went, yeah, that's fine. So I built it into my plan to service his needs as well because I knew that he was playing on the weekend. So that was that was a big thing for for me to get across exactly what he needed because the what would that have been the Sunday and the Monday he was almost just doing the sessions that Alex was doing ready for the game against Crystal Palace. So you know the focus wasn't on him, but he was actually going to play on the weekend. So it was trying to to find out exactly what he needed with a short space of time uh, ready to perform on the Saturday. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, I think I'll speak for myself, but sometimes it may be an ego thing, right? When you try to step into a new environment or you step into a session where you have some goalkeepers and you always think, okay, trust me, I know what's good for you. I'm going to put this session together just because I, I know what you need to work on versus that collaborative uh, effort where it's like, hey, I I know what you need to work on, but you tell me what you need to work on. Let's see if we can find a middle ground. And I think that is, again, setting the ego aside and, and you're working for the goalkeepers. They're not working for you, which is, I guess, is a, it's, a, it's a big, I'm sure, something that you may could kind of echo that, you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, football and soccer is full of egos, but 
you know, the, the more I think about it now, leave your ego at the, at the door, you know, there's no real space for it. It's about working with individuals. It's a work, about working with people and trying to get the best out of people. You know, the sessions aren't about me or how they look. It's about what do I think is best for them. There's been times when we've walked out to the pitch and I thought, you know what, I need to change today's session up, walking out. This stuff set up, but, you know, I think, well, actually, I'm going to miss this first part because I, I don't think they're in the right frame of mind today. You know, we might have come out of a long meeting and I might go, you know what, we're going to scrap the first part. We'll do a fun warm-up exercise instead, then get into the main session. So a lot of it is just about the feel that you have with the goalkeepers, with the individual group. And yeah, trying to manage it to make sure that they leave the session exactly with what they need to to continue to develop for that week or that session or, or for the game. Absolutely, yeah. So one question that I did have for you, Andrew, is, is when it comes to like American coaches who want to try and get to England or get to Europe and let's say take a very similar pathway that you took in terms of your trajectory of going from uh, little by little by little getting to where you need to be. What are some courses that American goalkeeper coaches can take here that they can try to apply in Europe or can they go to Europe and take certain badges that uh, would get them to a certain level? I'm not sure what the the situation is with the U.S. goalkeeper license. Is, Is that stopped now? I think so. It's not. It's not good. <laughs> that much I can tell you. Yeah, that's that's a real shame because obviously that would be the the first port of call. Um, you know, obviously the the stuff that Tim does with England and his staff at the FA is unbelievable. I'm not sure how accessible that is to you know foreign coaches because I know a lot of it is based over two, three, four weekends, which obviously financially and and time wise is very difficult to commit to. But I, I I think I'll still always go back to it. Is trying to connect with like-minded coaches, go and watch coaching sessions, find yourself mentors, because there's coach education courses. You you do learn, obviously, a massive amount on, on coaching and, and the position. But, you know, I found over the years, I've learned probably more from the conversations and connecting with others and being critiqued and sending sessions here. What do you think of this? Engaging in conversation and learning about people's roles, because just because you've got a qualification doesn't mean that you can go and coach in the Premier League. You know, there's, there's, I know there's goalkeeper coaches in the Premier League who don't have a goalkeeping qualification. You know, there, there's no mandate currently by the Premier League to say you have to have a UEFA A goalkeeping licence or a pro licence. You know, I'm sure that will come in. But at the, at the moment, it's about, for me, it's about continuing to build relationships with other like-minded coaches, watching sessions. And then, you know, obviously, if you do get the opportunity to speak to the coaches, really trying to understand what the sessions was about because yeah, we can all look at sessions and have quick opinions on them. But if you actually don't know what they're working on or the, the underlying thought process behind it, then then you'll just see it as another session. So it's, you know, really important to, to try and understand exactly what's going on. Absolutely. And I think this is uh, probably gonna be our last question here, Andrew. So uh, one, one thing I want to ask you is again, from in the goalkeeper coaching world for us younger uh, goalkeeper coaches, I've looked at your career as just a, it's a motivation, right? You look at certain coaches as they get higher and higher and higher and and what you've accomplished at such a young age to me is, is remarkable. And, and, just shows you that when that hunger is applied with work ethic, it's it really takes you places. And for you, I'll leave you. Can you leave us on this? What is something about your personality that you feel uh, not a lot of people know, but that has really benefited you and, and got you to this point? Probably being open-minded. Um, is, you know, it's quite a broad broad statement, but yeah, being being open-minded to, as I said, different cultures, people, environments. Um, 
and yeah, trying to embrace every single opportunity that you've been given, trying to adapt and yeah, survive at times, I guess. You know, I, I, I still see my, I always say it's, it's a journey. I don't see myself as being successful because I'm in the Premier League and I'm very far from it. You know, hopefully it lasts for a while, but, you know, I'm still realistic that, you know, at, at any point it can be taken away. So I'm enjoying the journey, um, being open-minded along the way and having fun, I think. I think that's it, you know. I love what I do and it's it's just important for me to, to continue the passion and the love of, of what I do on this journey that I'm on and where this journey takes me. I have no idea, but just got to got to keep with it and uh yeah let's see where it takes me well guys that's the end of the episode with uh andrew sparks first team goalkeeper coach for southampton in the premier league thanks for coming on andrew that was awesome talk to you guys soon take care